is Wyman and Bob. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. We are getting geared up and ready for spring training and the regular season for your Seattle Mariners here. Cannot wait for it to start. Somebody else who I know is very excited and getting ready to make that trip out to Arizona for spring training. Our Mariners insider, Shannon Dreyer, is with us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Hello, Shannon. Hello. Are you are you ready to go? Are you are you fired up? Or are you where, where are you at? What, where, where are you at in the process? Packed, ready to go, just sitting at the front door. Pretty much, it's time to go. You kind of enjoy those last couple of days of freedom, but get antsy to get down there when you see the baseball is going on and knowing that the full squad is going to report uh, on Monday. It's time to be there. It's time to see what this is and to take it from the off season onto the field and and see what they got. I'm really excited. Shannon, got pitches and catches already starting up now. Obviously, you're not down there just yet, but we're, we're hearing a lot about new change-ups all over the place. We're talking, you know, Robbie Ray is working on a new one, Logan Gilbert. Where's all this coming from, these new pitches? Well, it's funny because I actually heard about the Ray, and uh, Jerry DePoto called it a splitter. I don't know if this is a Felix Hernandez-type change-up splitter, what it is, and sometimes these pitches are undefined until they are. But at the end of the year, I remember somebody on the staff telling me they had a plan for Robbie and it was going to be different. He was going to come back and there was going to be something else. And, you know, we were wondering, is he going to go on a velocity program? Is he going to add a pitch? And so I guess it was revealed what it was. But what it also was, was he got there a lot earlier. He got to work on things with the organization a lot sooner than he did a year ago. I think you all heard the interviews over the last couple of days. So I'm interested to see that. But You know what it is now, and I actually wrote this in my last piece, but you remember it was kind of poo-pooed when pitchers showed up in spring training with a new pitch for so long. It was like, oh, that's a spring training pitch. We'll never see it again, and you usually didn't. But with places like Driveline and with the technology and with what we know about pitching right now, it's feasible to really develop a pitch over the offseason. It doesn't take the time that it did because you get feedback that is just beyond what it was and you can make adjustments. So I think a lot of times guys are kind of figuring out what they can add to their repertoire and they use technology for that too. They use, uh, you know, analytic departments are figuring out exactly what would work best with the stuff that they've got and they go to work uh, on it. And why wouldn't you? So I think that's why you see it more nowadays. And I do think they're more legitimate pitches. You're seeing more of those pitches being taken into the season. And, you know, if you've got a George Kirby or even a Robbie Ray, sometimes they invent them on the fly during the season. But I think we just know so much more about it that uh, they're able to do it a lot quicker now. Hey, what did you make? I, I'm sure you heard the cut when we had uh, Chris Langan on from, from Driveline Baseball talking about Matt Brash and his slider, calling it the best pitch he's seen in Major League Baseball history. What, what, what do you, when you hear that, what do you think? Uh, I think they probably ran a lot of numbers on it and compared the numbers. So I I think probably, you know, maybe that's legit if you look at the analytics of it. But then there is always a difference when you get into the box. There is something else when it's live, when it's, you know, a human facing another human on the other side. But uh, I think obviously it's all good. (laughs) You want to hear things like that. And uh, I think that we've seen it, you know, evidence quite a bit with him. It's, It's a special pitch for him. He proved to be a very good reliever last year and he got the seasoning he got the postseason experience and you know i'd say the arrow is definitely pointing up for him right now shannon one thing i love about spring training we talk about a lot is the the battles 
Like who who's who in your mind? It, which position battle do you feel like? Whether it's in pitching, whether it's you know whether it be left field. Obviously, Taylor Trammell going down with a, with an injury is going to be out for what seven or eight weeks minimum. But for you, look at looking at when you're heading down to spring training. Who who are you most um, going to enjoy seeing when it comes to battling for some of these positions? I'm not really because I don't think these are really huge battles. I mean, there are positions to be won and lost, but I think those that are battling for the for that position are going to play major roles on the team this year. I think obviously Jared Kelnick is the most interesting because you hope that he's taken that step forward. He can show that consistency that the work that he did in the offseason pays off. But we're not going to know until we get into the season. You know, I'm not a big you know unless a player completely falls on their face in spring training or, or just, you know, looks like it is completely off. It is completely wrong. Or they make a major train or change in spring training. I just don't put much into the results that we see down there. As far as the decisions that are going to have to be made, I don't think it's going to always be a matter of the best person is going to get that position. If you look in left field, Jared Kelnick's on his final option. They've got to see him this year. So, again, I think he falls into that unless he completely falls on his face. They're going to want to see him. So he's going to be a part of that platoon, especially with Taylor Trammell, who's now going to be out for probably a couple of months. But, again, you're going to see in Seattle, and it's going to have impact on the team. When it comes to the bullpen, that will be interesting because there are some arms that we haven't seen. I think there are some young players that we haven't seen that could factor in it. Obviously, some players from outside, players who have gotten even better in a Matt Brash, but he's already made that the team, so that's not really a factor. But just kind of keep this in mind. When you go into the season, your starters, particularly your young starters, George Kirby and Logan Gilbert, are not going to be fully stretched out. You know, they're hoping to get their last or their first five-inning performance in their last first spring training start. And it might even push that a little bit. They're going to need relievers who can kind of fill the gap while the starters are still rounding into shape. So there may be a guy that looks absolutely filthy and would be perfect for an inning but can't give a second inning, so they won't go to that player out of the gates. You look at Casey Sadler and what he can do. I don't know that you go to him right out of the gates because he's been out for so long, regardless of how brilliant he looks at the beginning of the at the end of spring training, although they still could. You know, they could be assured by everything that they see, but I don't know that that is an automatic. So as far as battles go, I think there are going to be other factors that come into play. It's not going to be just who is, you know, the best at that time. But again, I don't think it's going to matter. You're going to see a lot of guys come through as the year goes on. Do you see them, Shannon, adding another bat with with the injury to to Trammell, or are they going to look to, I guess, put more on the shoulders of A.J. Pollock? Maybe they didn't want him to play quite as much as he may have to now with with Trammell out, or do they count on, I don't know, Cade Marlowe maybe stepping up and being a guy in the mix, or how do you see them addressing that that short? I felt like they needed another bat even with Trammell there, but what, what do you think they do now? Well, they do as depth. I mean, as long as everybody stays healthy, they're covered. If, if there are any more injuries, then you are starting to kind of dip into some of the question marks like, you know, a, a Cade Marlowe hasn't played above double A as of yet. So I think they will have their eyes open. If there's a veteran that they could stash at triple A, I think that they would be all for that. I don't know that they go and make a signing because Trammell was is going to be out for a couple of weeks unless there is an injury, but depth is a concern in the outfield. It's a concern in the infield. You know that Dylan Moore is going to be absolutely instrumental to this mix. What if something happens to him? He's your backup shortstop, and you don't have a lot behind him. 
Um, McCoy is, is a brilliant. He was at AAA last year. Is a brilliant defender, but it is not not much of a bat. If you need a long term answer there, and anything happens with Dylan Moore, you're in trouble along those lines. So I think they probably keep their eyes open as the spring goes on. But uh, where they are right now, they're fine. If anybody gets hurt, then you're going to see just how thin they are. Yeah, I want to stay on Jared Kelnick here because you just really don't know what you're going to get. I remember going back to as we're as we're talking. I remember going back to you know last spring training and you know hearing him talking about having his you know his hitting his swing coach was Mark McGuire and you heard all the right things, right? You know, go, going leaving spring training, thinking to yourself, oh, there's going to be some upside, but. When you go to spring training and you have that, and you don't put results into the into the mix here, with you know obviously what the output is in, in regards to anything as far as you know he went three for four today or anything like that. But what do you want to hear from him and see from him to make you feel good about what you're going to get from Jared Kelnick heading into April? Well, the biggest thing is going to be consistency and. What's a little bit different this year is he did not train at home. He went to California. He worked with a hitting coach and I think had a much more structured program. They also did a lot of biometric tests on him and a lot of the things that you see at driveline. They broke down the swing and they had all the tests done on that. They have all of the numbers on that. So they're going to know. They're going to be able to break everything down to the nth degree. And if he is able to stick with that through spring training, I think that's what you are looking for. I'm not so much as what he's going to say. I think it's what the others around him are going to say. And then, of course, you don't want him seeing making a ton of changes. And that's that's what you'll keep your eyes open for with him. But, you know, a year older, I think if you remember last year when he came up, it was at the end of the year, it was very different. You know, he's, he wasn't as brash as he was a year ago and even at the beginning of last season I think he was a little bit more focused and one of the things that Scott Service really looks for from him is to focus on the ways that you can help this team and I think there was a lot of buy-in on that I think there was a lot more focus on the defense I think there was a lot of hope that he can get on the bases because he knows he can do things on the bases and now with the new rules and the bigger bases he could be instrumental there as well and sometimes when you're focusing on those things you take a little bit of the pressure off yourself on the other things like the hitting so you know if there was one thing that i wanted to hear from him it was it's probably that which was impressed on him last year you know help the team however you can and then see the consistency and and the change in the changes that he made over the off season what, what do you uh what do you think's a realistic expectation for jp crawford this year last year was was Pretty disappointing. I know he got banged up towards the end of the year, but you know, defensively and offensively, outside of the beginning of the season, it just it all around kind of down year for him. What what do you have you had a chance to speak with him or heard anything from him that tells you, all right, we're in for a different version of him, or what are your expectations? Well, he's another guy that put in a ton of work um, and did a lot over at Driveline as well. And I haven't seen him in person, but I've seen the pictures, and he does look a little bit bigger. And from his first season here, they have been hoping that he would do that in the off season. He wears down over his season. And, uh, you know, a lot of that is on the Mariners and the training staff and the manager. And Scott Service says that he is going to stick to it this year. They have to get J.P. days off. They have to you know, schedule them, and we're not talking one day a month, but he's got to have a couple of extra days. You know, Dylan Moore is going to be involved in a platoon at second base. You should see him at short, too. And so that's what I'm most curious to see, if if you are able to give him those breaks, if you can get him back, to, Because we've seen the gold glove, and we've seen stretches where, you know, you, you like what you have seen with the bat. If you get 
the gold glove season back. If you get, I'm not saying he has to be what he was at the beginning of the year last year when he was hitting what about 360. But, uh, you know, he is a guy that uh, you can put up a good at bat. You've always seen that from him. Let's see if he can do a little something with it. Let's see if those off days, you know, can keep him a little bit quicker. Let's see if an off season can, uh, you know, help him out. He was as beat up as anybody was last year. So I really think it's twofold. I hope we see him get that time. And he's one of those guys that you hope you see get off to a good start. Shan, we've talked about some of these rule changes we're going to see in spring training. The big one for me is the no shifts. Um, um, you know, so I'm excited to see it. I think it's really going to you know, obviously help with you know, more balls put in play. Who do you think, who are some of the players from the Mariners that are going to benefit the most from this and, and some of the guys who it's not going to benefit so much? Well, I think it's, you know, they've broken it all down. And, you know, Cal Raleigh and Jared Kelnick should benefit from it. Um, but I think that uh, you, you can look up and down the lineup. It, it's going to be a, an adjustment. It's going to be different. I'm a little bit nervous to see what that does to the pitching. Uh, there are, you had some pitch to contact guys last year and, and through the years who have certainly benefited from the defense behind them. Um, I, I, you know, obviously your lefties are, are going to be the ones who are going to uh, definitely benefit from that the most. But, you know, other than those two, I don't see it as dramatic. You know, I think it could affect everybody, but those two probably the most dramatic. And I'm really, really curious to see what this looks like defensively because these are restrictions. I mean, there are different ways. You know, we're seeing, well, if you have an athletic left fielder, you could move him over for that extreme shift and and put him kind of in short right field and go with the two outfielders. You've got guys in left field that could do that. You know, if Kelnick's out there, he could shift over that way. If Haggerty is out there, he could shift over that way. And it'll be interesting to see how Major League Baseball uh, handles that. I've heard some interviews where they've said, and we have seen MLB do this before with some rules where if it isn't right, they don't need too long of a track record. They don't necessarily have to wait until the end of the year to change things. We've seen them make changes and it'll be interesting to see how much in the spirit of the rule uh, they kind of try and stick to and how creative they let teams be, or if it's just going to be kind of more straight up defense how that affects the fielders. I'm very interested to see, you know, how Colton Wong looks like that coming off a tough defensive year last year, but with everything that he's said that the shifts kind of took him out of his game. He's a natural second baseman. He hasn't played at any other infield position. You kind of think that those guys usually move around. and A lot of them do. He hasn't. He's had a handful of appearances in the outfield, but everything else has been second base. Came up, learned it, and, you know, you put him over in right field, short right field, the angles are different, the attack is different, and he fell out of sorts. So I'm interested to see how that looks for him um, and, uh, you know, also how he and JP work together. So I, I think it's going to be on both sides of the ball with that one. Yeah, we we had a chance to speak with Colton, really good guy. I'm looking forward to seeing him out there and, you know, talked about bouncing back from last year. And I, I, I buy into everything he said, Shannon, about, you know, he just didn't read the ball very well at, at that angle and being out there. The only thing I found odd was, you know, last year really struggled 17 errors and their their beat guy told us it actually should have been more and blah, blah, blah. But the shift didn't just come into existence last year. So he'd been dealing with that for a couple of years, yet, you know, last year it really got to him for whatever reason. So I just that that part didn't completely add up to me, but I am excited to see what he does, you know, now that these are the rules in place. The one that I think could be really interesting is the disengagement from the rubber on the mound. You're only allowed two of those. So two pickoff 
uh, throws, and then you better get them on the third one. Otherwise, you know, you're, you you incur that penalty there. But how big of a deal do you think that's going to be, especially if you've got somebody on base like Sam Haggerty or like Dylan Moore or Julio? I'm excited to see that. I've, I've wanted to see more base stealing and that side of the game uh, for a long time, and this absolutely should open that door. But, again, you're going to see – you know, pitchers kind of find different ways that perhaps they can try and pick the guy off without actually throwing over. So I think that will make things, you know, maybe get a little Johnny Cueto stuff going on with some other pitchers, and that could kind of make it fun too. But uh, it's going to be a little bit more of a chess match, and that'll be fun. And I hope some of the guys will talk to talk about it because you'd love to hear what their strategy is, what's going through their head, what they're thinking as they are over there because finally a little bit of advantage has been turned to the base runner. I don't know how long that's going to stay because when you get to the robo lumps, I don't think the, you know, I think the catchers are going to be in better position to throw, but it could be a lot of fun to see this year. And I think the Mariners are set up nicely on the base running side on the pitching side. It's going to take some work, but you know, that's why is it's a good thing. They've got a long spring training this year and they're going to have those opportunities. I heard Paul Seawald on one of the shows say he had to shave about six seconds off of his pre-pitch work. That's a lot right there. So I'm interested. That's something I'll have my eye on, not just what we see in games, but how they work it before games, how they work in early morning drills and, and just talking to guys about it. But uh, I'm hopeful that that does provide, uh, you know, at least more attempts. Shannon, what hair are we working with, with Eugenio Suarez? I've heard rumors. <laughs> I know you're not down there just yet. And I wish you were down there while we were chatting just to get a, a, an insider's look. But what, what have you heard from the hair department? I know Marco shaved his head, right? Did he? I believe I, so. You're You've got better info than me. I did wow. see one picture. I did see one picture of Suarez, and it looked like it was pretty long. It looked pretty good. Okay. Of course, Robbie Ray has, has been growing it out all off season. It would appear, but um, I don't know. Did you see two tones? Was it shaved on the sides? Was there anything different there? I, I still haven't seen it. I just I heard that I, I saw a tweet or something. I, I saw Suarez hair, and I was like, oh man. I need to I need to get the insight from Shannon when we chat to her. But you're not down there yet, so and I just thought maybe you'd send an insider's photo or something. I don't and know. Marco's got a buzz cut. Is I, that what you... I think so. He's cut his hair off. Yeah, he kind of grew it out a little bit last yeah. year. Yeah, huh? I, I was. He's, he's all business this year. Hey, Shannon, have you ever heard anybody refer to RBIs <laughs> as steaks? <laughs> I hadn't heard it either. Ryan brought that because, of course, I was complaining to him about, you know, people who talk about Ernie's and Punchies and all those stupid little little uh, names there. And he and he brought up steaks like, oh, yeah, a guy went two for three tonight, had three steaks. I'm like, wait, what? Re- Brad Adam. I'm telling you. Ugh. That's that's all Brad okay, Adam. I okay. promise you. I promise you that. <laughs> that that can't happen. You know, you might want to double source that one, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> you go on Google, RBI abbreviations, and it says, yeah, it says runs batted in, also known as ribbies, ribeyes, steaks, boom. Steaks. Ugh. Shannon's yeah. not saying steaks. No, she doesn't. Pro. Thank no. goodness. We wouldn't be able to Chance. speak with her if she did. Uh, but, yeah, if you see Brad down there, Shannon, it's your job to set him straight. He, we can't, We like him way too much to have him speaking that way. We can't do it. I do my best with him. I try so hard with him. <laughs> it can't happen. All right. Hey, before we let you go, is there is there one player that you are just excited to see, whether it's I want to see how they bounce back, how they follow up the success, the whatever it is? Who, who are you looking forward to seeing out there most? You know, it's funny. I've answered this question so many times, and I usually have about 10 different players that I say. And the one guy <laughs> that I haven't said that I really am looking forward to, 
I cannot wait to watch my first Teoscar Hernandez batting practice mm. down on field one and uh, Teoscar versus the hitter's eye. Nice. Yeah, I, I love that addition. I love that. We'll see how the arbitration thing works out. But, uh, yeah, excited, excited to see him out there. Shannon, uh, have a safe trip out there. We will uh, be talking to you soon and then seeing you out there next month. Can't wait. All right. Remember what I told you about the shoes. Uh, about the shoes. What, putting them up so so that the scorpions, <laughs> scorpions? don't get into them? That's not funny. <laughs> you might want to just start practicing right now so you don't forget when you're down there, Bob. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to be sleeping on the top bunk in our bunk beds. Well, I'm the one sleeping on the floor. So what do I do, Shannon? <laughs> just never fall asleep? You're going to sleep in, in a hazmat suit okay. of some sort. I don't know. Shannon, we appreciate it. We'll talk soon. You got it. There we go. There's our Mariner insider, Shannon Dreyer, as she gets set to take off to uh, Peoria. Have you, You've been down there. Are the Scorpions a thing? Is that a... Oh, yeah. You have to go through the, um, you know, the light. They have like a light that they glow like when you... Oh. No, I'm kidding. Look, I, I had my in-laws are down there and they always you know, say, hey, make sure you check for Scorpions when you come in the house. I'm like, yeah, sure. I'm going to go to like every corner of the house looking for Scorpions. But, yeah, Lefko, if he ends up with a Scorpion, whatever, stings all over him. Oh, he might, he might build like... A fort around me. Like, <laughs> you can handle it. I'm gonna just sleep out. in the car. So, look, I'm from Australia. Scorpions are nothing, right? We got spiders, snakes, yeah. seven of the ten most deadliest snakes oh, no, in the, on the planet. Forget Boom. it. Scorpions. Uh, scorpions. Child's, ah. child's play. Yeah, I, I stayed with a buddy down there years ago, and and as I was like unpacking in the in the guest room and all that, he goes, "Oh yeah, yeah. Hey, I was gonna tell you, take your shoes and put them on top of the." He I've had, never heard that. He had this huge uh, TV stand. And I said, "Why would I put them up there?" He goes, "Oh, because scorpions." And I was like. <laughs> And I'm like, ah, shut up. And then I start, and he goes, no, I'm not kidding. I'm like, you have scorpions in here? He goes, yeah, sometimes. I'm yeah, like, you're telling me this now? <laughs> I didn't sleep all night. Oh, I had yeah. the lights on. Yeah. Every time I got up to go to the bathroom, to see, too. tiptoeing around, look at, no, that's that's no good. I can't right. I can't have that. But you, sure. in your time down there, you never, you never. No, saw I think I've seen a couple of dead ones, but yeah, like I said, I'm I'm from the outback, right? I mean, we, right. we got brand, you know, that's child's play. And, yeah, nothing. Yeah, I'd, I'd be scorpions. more afraid of snakes. I just, snake, oh yeah, I don't I mess with snakes. snakes. That's right. All right, if you missed any of our conversation with Shannon Dre or any part of the show, you'll find it on the podcast page at seattlesports.com. Just click the podcast tab and click on our picture and click subscribe. That's really the key to the whole thing. But it'll all be there after the show. Coming up. What exactly is the arbitration process like for Major League Baseball players? Ryan's going to share some insight on that with us. Coming up, it is Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports Station on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Once again, thanks to Shannon Dreyer, our Mariners insider, who joined us in the previous segment. If you guys missed that conversation, it will be on the podcast page for you after the show. Uh, we do have mean text coming up, so make sure you uh, get in whatever creative shots you want to take. I saw some people trying to go really Australian with you, like a lot of I'm the lingo. saying that. Yeah, I, I told you to read the one. I couldn't even make sense of what they were saying, but I, I assume it was mean. There was a couple. I think anytime I um, open up about my the fact that Australians are tougher than Americans, all of a sudden that thing lights up. I'm looking at the screen right now; it's just all lit up. I'm like, oh no, whoops! Well, and I was talking about scorpions and snakes. All right, yeah. so that was it. Well, if you guys have uh, some creative mean text, get those going. Eight six six nine seven nine three seven seven six. Powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. We'll do that in the five o'clock hour. George Kirby will join us at four o'clock. So stay tuned for that. A guy who was just an absolute breakout star last year for this team. 
Uh, but we, we touched on this story yesterday, Ryan. I was really anxious to get your take on it. For those that didn't hear what we were talking about, Corbin Burns of the Milwaukee Brewers was being asked about his arbitration process mm-hmm. with his team, and he lost his arbitration case uh, with the team. But here he is talking about it. There, there's no denying that the relationship was definitely definitely hurt from um, you know, what, what perspired over the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah, there's, there, there's really no way of getting around that. Um, obviously, we're, we're, we're professionals, and we're going to go out there and, and do our job and, you know, and keep doing what I can every, five, every fifth day that I go out there. But um, you know, some of the things that are said that basically put me in the forefront of the reason why we didn't make the postseason last year. I mean, that's something that probably doesn't need to be said. You know, we can go go about a hearing without having to do that. Um, so that's kind of one of those things. Obviously, you know, they, there was no attacking of, of character of you know, person of who I was, but um, just the just the some of the stuff that was said that you know definitely didn't need to be um, said is, is is something that yeah I think kind of disappointed everyone. So that's Corbin Burns talking about how things perspired. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> got hot, man. Yeah, got hot. Boy, I, it was really, really perspired in a weird way. Uh, but it's an interesting process where, you know, basically your side, the player side presents a number saying this is how much we think we're worth this year. And the team counters with, well, here's what we think you're worth. Mm-hmm. And then you go to an arbitrator, an independent individual who will listen to both cases essentially and say, no, it's it's one number or the other. There's no yeah. there's no negotiating, which I always find interesting. But they're making a case as to why Ryan, you're not worth X amount of dollars. Right. But let, let, let's just and if you're unfamiliar with this process, because it is strange. I've been to I've had an arbitration year where I had to explain to my family kind of how it works. It's your first chance to really sort of negotiate your worth, right? Because the team. You're basically making minimum salary for the first three years or a little bit more. If the team wants to give you a little bit more to sweeten the deal, whatever, they can. But what happens is you talk to the team, right, especially around the tender date, which is early on in the, in the offseason around November, and you kind of have an idea of, hey, what do you think in arbitration, your fourth year of service time, you think you're worth or whatever it may be. And if you can't you know, come up with a number together, well, then you – you have to file for arbitration. In other words, you come in with a number that you feel like is kind of the high end. The team comes at a low end. You try and meet the middle. If you can't, well, then then there's a big, there's quite a big grace period there too. Now, all of a sudden, and the timing is also weird. The fact that it's right at spring training or right before spring training, and then you go to basically a court case, a third party to to figure out who. And by the way. It's not, oh, hey, meet in the middle here, guys, yeah, and sell. One, one it's one of the other. other. So yeah. if you go, like, if I'm like, oh, I'm worth $20 million, they're like, all right, see you at arbitration. And, and the team's saying 10, <laughs> you're either getting 20 or 10. Correct. But yeah. what happens is if you go too high, for example, if you're, you know, and this was, there's only, what, $750,000 difference in this one, but some players go too high. Mm-hmm. And the team's like, oh, we're not even going to negotiate. We'll see you in arbitration because we're going to win. Yeah. They know they're going to win. They have experts in their front office who are, some teams are really good at at arbitration hearings, some teams aren't. And so I think that and, – and by the way, he sat in the arbitration hearing. You don't – as a player, you don't have to sit in and listen to – because you're going to get you're going to get ripped. Yeah. They're going to say, this is why you are worth this. And they're going to throw – and that's business. They're going to throw at, you know, the all the little nuances of things that you, you did that weren't good, and that's why you're worth X. And the whole thing is compared to – other players. So what happens is you go in as an agent on the agent side and the team side, and you have a huge you know chunk of player files. So in other words, if I'm arbitration eligible, I'm compared to every other starting pitcher, every other left-handed pitcher, 
in my class and every other pitcher in baseball. Mm-hmm. And they look at it and say, all right, um, this person, that person's making $5 million. And, and they, it's all comparisons. Yeah, That's yeah. all it is. They're is looking, for, looking for equivalents out there. Exactly. So yeah. one thing that he mentioned, he said, they didn't attack my character because I think this is getting blown out of proportion. Like the, the Brewers just said, oh, we don't like you, Corbin, and now we're going to have this bad relationship. No, no, no. He even said they didn't attack his character. What they did mention, he said it, he was on the COVID IL. He's, he was unvaccinated. Therefore, I think the team came in and said, well, the reason you are worth this, and I'm not on the team side here, right, mm-hmm. because I've had friends who've had some, some bad experience with arbitration because they've sat and they, they've decided to sit in when they really shouldn't. Because you're going to spring training, you got to go, hey, yeah. hey, GM, how you doing? <laughs> I just heard you and your boys just ripped me for yeah. – <laughs> Tell me so, why I'm the reason we didn't make it to the postseason. <laughs> right, but I think what the Brewers were trying to do, and again, I wasn't in the hearing, but they're saying, listen, you only made this many starts, you missed these starts, therefore your value drops to this, and we're trying to justify this amount. He's obviously taken it very personally and said it's affected the relationship. But it's, it is a business, and, and and the team, if you are going to go to a third party, well, then it comes down to we're going to try and score our number, and that's what it's going to be. There's no middle ground. There's no, hey, it's all good. We'll throw you another 500 grand or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know? it, it It's always fascinating to me because yeah. generally there's not a huge discrepancy between the numbers. It mm-hmm. might be a couple of million bucks, mm-hmm. which, you know, to people like us out here, that's life-changing. Yeah. In baseball dollars, I look at it and go – is it worth risking the relationship of a player you want to keep around? Is it worth, if it's one and a half million dollars difference, is it worth it to a franchise, a billionaire owner, to fight this fight and really upset? This He sounds like he's he's certainly taking it personally. He's yeah. certainly not feeling good about it. And maybe it impacts his desire to stay with that team. So that's a great point. And you look at that and say, okay, is it worth affecting the relationship with you and one of your star players. Now, he's a good player. It's, it's not like he had a rough year and he's gone arbitration. MLB said he was the best pitcher in baseball right. on he their was. top he, 10. He's one of the best. He's he's yeah. really, really good. He missed some starts last year, yes, because COVID IL. I understand that. But it's more of you also get pressure. Let's not forget, and this is something you have to factor in. Players also get pressure from the players' union. The players' union get involved, and they mm-hmm. say, listen, this should be your number because they don't want to drop the bar for every other right. arbitration-eligible player. As do the owners as well, as do the front offices. Listen, you have to go in and you can't just because you want to be buddy-buddy with one of your players, you, you are going to set this bar, this, this value, the, the market value is going to change. You have to stick. Yeah, so you're, you're going to screw all of us correct. with our players because yeah, right. your guy got Absolutely. more and, money. And so there's more to it than just like – and I, I totally get it. And don't get me wrong. I, the fact that the team, player, he's a really good – he's one of the best players in the game – Fans love him. You want to keep the fans on your side. We all know that with with you know the way it works and making more money in the long run because your fans love you because you look after your players, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But there is other factors involved that you know there is pressure from other you know outside the 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 hearing. And basically, when you go when you say when you file for a number to go to arbitration, and you say boom, this is our number. We are filing here. You are gonna that's the number. You are gonna fight for that. Because you're gonna you're gonna walk in, you're not gonna go into waste your time with arbitration, and go. Oh, you know what? We're just gonna go easy. If he gets it, he gets it. No, no. You, you've already fi- filed for that number. Right. That's the way it works. Like I was reading the story, uh, Teoscar Hernandez, now of the Seattle Mariners, uh, he's uh, gonna be in an arbitration arbitration case today. That's gonna set a record, win or lose, is the way it's read here. He asked for a raise from ten point six five million to sixteen million, and the Mariners argued for fourteen million. So it's a $2 million mm-hmm. difference there. Yeah. 
with a guy who seems like he could be a premier player, maybe somebody you'd like to keep around for a while. I don't know how he feels about this if he feels like, hey, man, we're talking about a difference of $2 million. I'm a guy hitting 25-plus yeah. home runs that could be a part of your outfield for years to come, and you want to quibble over $2 million for this one year. And there, so it's saying that uh, the previous high for an arbitration award was $13.5 million by Garrett Cole in his 2019 win over the Houston Astros. Uh, but so either way, it's going to set a record, I guess. But mm-hmm. it, I look at that and go, wow. So are they risking that relationship, especially with a new player you brought over? You, I assume they'd like him beyond the season. Are they running a risk with that? Now, maybe he won't sit in that hearing the way Burns seemed to have and heard mm-hmm. all the things. And they're going to say, well, he's not worth it because he doesn't do this or he doesn't do that. Or you, they're going to point out everything you don't do well. Yeah, and, and and they throw some random stuff out there too. They really do. Some weird stuff. You're like, huh? Because like I said, I've had friends who sat in there like, whoa, I didn't even think about that about my <laughs> myself. And they do. They can attack your character. But the, the, let's not forget, it's about comparing to Oscar Hernandez to every other player, A, in his arbitration class, and B, every other right fielder there is yeah. in baseball. The other part, and, and you bring a good point, and in his case, look, he, the, the Mariners are known and, and they've done this where – uh, you know, whether it's from um, Julio Rodriguez to uh, Luis Castillo, they've done some very team favorable Deal. long-term deals. Yeah. So this is an interesting one because you look at this and say, okay, Teoscar Hernandez, we just got him. We gave up quite, you know, quite a bit to get him. Mm-hmm. He's a free agent at the end of this year. That means he's, you know, off to wherever. Uh, he can go wherever he wants. So it's you don't want to start doing this thing where you do affect the relationship because I guarantee you throughout the season, especially when once he's performing, it's going to be, hey, listen, comfortable here, your buddies are here, whatever, we're, we're, we've got a good thing going. How about we just lock you up for the next five years? Um, but on the flip side, if it's a situation where you have people saying there is no way you can give him – 16 mil and if he's agent and by the way all agents act differently in this certainly they all do some of them are so confident you know Teoscar Hernandez agent is probably so confident that they can get that 16 million or they look at it and go you know we have a shot of getting the 16 but you know what if we get the 14 that's about market value anyway let's get let's go for it yeah so yeah it's going to be interesting to see how that works out but it always seems like man you're you're walking a very very tight line there to, to it, it, maintain a relationship and win your arbitration case and all of that. So Yeah, it's a it's a weird system. It really is. All right, coming up, one guy is a surprise and one guy shouldn't be for our two people who made Y-Man of the Week. Y-Man coming your way next. It is Wyman and Bob with Ryan Roland Smith in today. This is Seattle Sports Station on 710. Y-Man, why? why? Lunch has been canceled today due to lack of hustle. He's a habitual line stepper. What were you thinking? What are you doing? Why are you the way that you are? It's the Y-Man of the Week. Y-Man presented by Mazda of Everett. We do it every week. Ryan was asking me during the break, like, what, what is this? What's, what's... Well, no, I knew the, the segment. I knew the segment. I just wanted to get a heads up. So oh, on who I was... I could bring my you know, comedic skills to the <laughs> table here with some of these. I know the segment. I'm, you know, okay. It's not right. my first radio. All right. Have you been featured on the segment before? I can't remember. Oh, oh man. Maybe for the take, door. He's already taken a few shots at you today off the air. Well, I'm kind of brought, be, you, uh, brought you on the segment. What was the, the first thing? thing when we're in the other room here? There was something. And, I, and he was quick, oh, you too. Broke, you broke the headphone. 
Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. I said, oh, yeah. I, all I said, I just said, oh, hey, I think the uh, headphones are a little touchy. What did you say? Just I said, are you sure you didn't just break it? <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. You jumped on me in two seconds. You took like, a oh. shot at you. took a shot at Wyman, who's not even here to defend himself. I mean, you're just it's taking Friday, the wild swings at Okay, let's not act like the last time you two hosted, there were not shots taken at me. Well, well, well he's made he, aware of that. There's he, shots he, at everybody. That's, he's fired up. He's got his pickleball tournament this yeah, weekend. Yeah, he, he he's got a hat. He's got a hat. And, in, and today he's wearing a pickleball hat, and I think just to a dig at you, reminder, be, yeah. because uh, Ryan a said, reminder. Ryan's got he's he's got you in his crosshairs because know, you talked we, about this un, unhittable shot, an unreturnable shot. You're going to lay on him. He's going to have no chance. I'm trying to get the match sponsored or something <laughs> in the middle of summer. I've got the shot that's going to beat you. I, I've been working on it secretly. That was another thing I said. I said, what's it called? Get it back over the net. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Yeah, he was quick, too, on that. Uh, We have to agree on venue, how much of the uh, purse we're splitting, you know, entry fee. (laughs) Is there any part of you that's fearful of what what he may have in his arsenal here? Oh, look look at his eyes. Look at his eyes right now. (laughs) Oh, he's fearful. Don't you worry. This is radio. They can't look at my eyes. (laughs) I'm talking about this. Are you curious about the shot? Like, what? hmm, I wonder what he's talking about. I'm curious to see how you play because pro athletes can pick up sports very well. And there are a lot of, like, Drew Brees, really good at pickleball now. Really? So elite athletes are good. Now, Ryan, I don't know. We'll see. Real quick, I know we have to get onto this segment, but... I, I will admit this. I didn't understand. I didn't realize that the kitchen zone. Yeah. I didn't realize you could because I just thought I was going to stand in there and just whack it back over the so net. Wasn't I had no idea. Correctly, okay. Oh yeah, I did. I've studied the rules. Okay. Okay. I have a big whiteboard at home. <laughs> <laughs> you diagram it up with your wife. Okay. Yeah. Here's, the, here's he has this his wife filming here's him, and so he can analyze his, his form and everything. He goes home Motion and watches capture, video. That's yeah, right. that's right. All right. Well, we look forward to that matchup between you two uh, this summer. Coming coming to a court near you this summer. <laughs> if anyone wants to sponsor it too out there, if yeah. you, whatever local business wants to sponsor it. <laughs> <laughs> the legend, Mike Lefko, taking on newcomer we'll Ryan Roland-Smith. Voice it, yeah. Paul yeah. Keels, who just called yes. in, will be the, uh, That's right. the PA guy. He'll be in a world <laughs> where, man, <laughs> it'll be great. All right, let's get to these. Uh, first off, we start with Terry Bradshaw, who took the stage after the Super Bowl. They were presenting the trophy. He was... Trying to be funny out there, trying to be Terry. He's a goofy old guy. And he apparently, now I missed this. I had turned it off before before this uh, happened. So, uh, But apparently, Terry, being a bit of a chubby fella himself, <laughs> making fun of Andy Reid being a bigger man. Let me get the big guy in here. Come on, waddle over here. <laughs> what, get the big guy, waddle over here. <laughs> If it was a situation where Andy Reid had put on, you know, some weight in the last year or something, you know, yeah. they're best but like I'm talking best buddies, like college roommates, like know each other, known each other for, you know, forty years. For, okay, all right, keep going. Sorry. Is is that out of bounds though? Is that I don't know what their relationship is, and maybe Andy thought it was funny, but it is. Is it is it the equivalent if Terry made fun of somebody else being bald because he's bald? Like, can you do? Is that okay if you're if you're a fat guy to call somebody else fat? Is well, that- it's a situation. In, in, look, if you have a like some of my best friends, they can rip me to shreds, right? You know, if someone else rips me, I can take it. I don't mind it. I think it's funny, but it's a, but it's a big stage we're talking about here. Too. So it's a situation. How well do they know each other? Where he's like, you know, obviously they know Waddle each other. On over yeah. <laughs> obviously they know each other pretty well. But you've got to think, if you've just won the Super Bowl and you're on that kind of stage, you're kind of in your head. Obviously, you're 
you know, your, your mind's blown. You just yeah. won a Super Bowl and everything else. And you're walking on this giant stage and you hear, hey, waddle on over here. Like you're just in a you know, college dorm room or something. Like, oh, mm. hold on a second. Yeah. Yeah. You might be thinking, <laughs> what did you just say? Yeah. Yeah. Look at look at who's talking here. But uh, all right. So there's Terry Bradshaw as a, as a uh, guy who's got some pounds he could probably lose. Poking fun at somebody else who's got some pounds Fair he enough. could lose. So there you go. All right. Uh, entry number two comes courtesy of Aaron Rodgers, who apparently is upset that the media didn't get the dates of his darkness retreat correct. Is that is that an accurate way of describing this, Lefko? That- I guess. So if I, I don't have any idea what Aaron Rodgers says about anything, but that is the gist of the frustration. Here's what he said. It's, I have no problem with Ian Rappaport, Schefter. I think they're really good at their jobs. When it comes to me, they don't know shit. They really don't. They don't have, they don't have inner source. They don't have people in my inner circle who are sources. I can promise you that. And anybody who would talk to them is not in my inner circle. It's that simple. So I've had this planned on the books for four months for the same time. And when someone like that goes on and says something that's not true, it creates a story that's bullshit. And it just keeps on going and going and going. Oh, so essentially (laughs) he's he's mad. It was planned. It's been on the books for four months and it was being portrayed as something that just happened was planned recently so that he could come to a conclusion about what he's going to do with his career. I'm going to sit in a room, a place for four days in complete and utter darkness in order to come to a decision on my future. And he said, no, I've been planning this for four months. Could you imagine though, being in a place in your life where now, first of all, let's understand something. It's a great story for everyone out there. Hey, where's Aaron Rodgers going to play? Because he's a really good quarterback and he's a good player. And then all of a sudden, like, oh, Aaron, so what do you think of next year? Well, I have to go off to a four-day darkness retreat first. Could you imagine if, like, you're, you're looking at, to leave your job? Yeah, you're, yeah. A, you're, I don't know, whatever. You're working at a, at a cubicle at Microsoft down over here in, 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 um, across, the, across the lake here. And all of a sudden, hey, listen, we want to offer you a job. Oh, hey, let me go off to a four-day <laughs> darkness retreat first. Oh, ex- excuse me? And don't mess up the dates. It's just funny when you think about the context here. But, hey, Look, he's had a plan for months. Yeah, that's the way it goes. And Get it right. How would you like to be in that position, though, to to <laughs> have to? I'm going to take some time to figure out if I want to make that fifty. What is it at fifty eight million? I think fifty eight million bucks. It's on the table for next year. Mm, I'm not sure. Let me give it some thought. Yeah, you know, I, I uh, to have that kind of money to where that becomes a decision. Like most most people are like, <laughs> yes. What do you need me to do? <laughs> You need me to sweep the floors yeah. with my tongue? I'll do that. Look, I, I've bucks. got look. I've got I got you know two kids at home. Yeah, I've got yeah. You know, I, I, I got I got stuff to do. Hey, by the way, uh, Amanda, I'm just going to go off for four days. Darkness retreat. I'm going to make some decisions here about Figure if, if I'm we, doing this extra segment on the radio next year. So yeah. you, you're good with the kids, right? Yeah, that's amazing. I, I got to decide if I want to get fifty eight million dollars yeah. more in, in our bank account or not. Let me let me ponder this for a while. I, that's a nice position to be in, man. To have that Very kind nice, of money. All right. Sure. Coming up, how does he follow up a stellar rookie season? Well, we'll ask him. We're going to catch up with George Kirby of the Seattle Mariners coming up next with Wyman and Bob. Ryan Roland-Smith in today. This is Seattle Sports Station on 710.